You are listening to The Political Periscope, a weekly podcast brought to you by Radio WNET. Interviews on international politics, security, geopolitics, economy and more, every Thursday at 7pm. Today's guest of The Political Periscope is Professor Agnieszka Legutska, the analyst of the Eastern Europe program of the Polish Institute of International Affairs. Political Periscope. Not so long ago, we've witnessed something strange, some strange sort of mutiny in Russia, a Prigozhin's mutiny. What was it all about? From my perspective, uh, that was special thing in Russia when it comes to Prigozhin action. He was very useful tool used by Russian elite, not only Putin himself, but elite exactly around Putin, because he was used inside Russia, in Ukraine, but also in Africa as a tool. But he was always outsider to the elite. He was acting uh, in the shadow when it comes to African action, he was boosting uh, Russian influence in Africa, but he was also acting in Ukraine. Actually, he was even more successful in Africa, in, in Ukraine, more than Russian armed forces. But he was, he, from my perspective, he felt at some moment that not only he was losing Power. He was losing, uh, he could lose um, possibilities of uh, leading Wagner Group. But at the same point, from my perspective, he was, he felt at some point that he has lost Krisha. Uh, it means in Russia that protection from directly from Mr. Putin. And in Russia, when you lose protection from Putin, it means that you can even die uh, in Russia bandit country. Because in Russia, it is like mafia country. So in that sense, he decided that he needs to do something because he can even die, not only himself, but also his people, soldiers of Wagner Group. So that's why his loyal soldiers in Wagner, Wagnerovce, they decided to make this uh, march of justice to Moscow, exactly to raise the negotiation um, idea or the, the negotiations uh, power against system because they they did nothing they they have nothing other things to lose right so prigozhin who were who was always outside of the elite he decided to show on one hand that the system uh, rejected him and at the same time uh, he was trying to get the guarantees for his life, to prolong his existence outside of the system, but at the same time to be useful all 
around. So from my perspective, it, it was not the Maskirovka, but because there are experts who are saying that it was everything arranged by Putin because, for example, to make Vaknerovce in Belarus, to make this happening like a theater. From my perspective, I think that it was very surprised by, it was surprised for Putin himself because Prigozhin, this march of justice, it weakened Putin inside the elite and it weakened uh, the anti-crisis management of the Putinism as a system. Well, that was my following question. Quibono, who benefited from it? Uh, I don't think anyone benefited really. Uh, do you think it was Prigozhin's idea or there was someone behind him? I think that Prigozhin was trying to get some supporters in the Kremlin. I think that he was preparing this march before he started it. He was calling to some guys in the around of Putin in the Kremlin. And I think that he has some supporters around the elite of Putin. On one hand, those guys could be uh, of both in the system in the sense those because in the Kremlin there are people who are not gaining from the war in Ukraine. And there are two camps. Those who are trying to be more successful in war in Ukraine and those who would like to stop the war. Those two camps would like to show Putin as the weaker player and would like to reject Putin from the post. Uh, in Kremlin. Tactically, they can gain some element from Putin losing of power and they could before the cup, so-called cup, because it did not happen, but before that, uh, put, uh, Prigozhin could have their support in the sense before the, before the, um, those events that we could observe from Telegram and other sources. And he could have some phone calls that you are strong guy and go on with, with such a plan. But he didn't manage to prepare this plan for, to the end. So, because he was also surprised by some uh, elements that Shoigu prepared or Maybe this plan was not prepared enough. I think that he was acting um, too early because uh, to, to the moment when he was in Rostov, that was clearly prepared. But after that, when he was moving to Moscow, the plan was not prepared good enough and he was acting ad hoc. Waiting for two things. On one hand, he was waiting for army to be, to join the Wagnerovce. On the second thing that those people who were calling him before do something about it, they did not support him. So he was waiting for split of the elite and it did not happen either. So from 
point of view of Cub the elite and Cub the state and something that it's supposed to happen, it did not happen. So uh, as you were saying that who lost this situation, so on the one hand, Prigozhin had, lo- had lost because he failed at the end. But to the end, he was controlling situation because in the final moment, he decided not to go into Moscow. And at the end of the day, Putin has lost his strong position, who supposed to stop him with the strength army, with the strength um, force. And Putin in the long-term perspective to the future, is not the guarantor of the system. So elite which surrounds Putin, people around him is are asking this the very nervous question. Is the Putin the guy who is guarantor of the system? Because other Prigozhin, maybe not this one, but other guys can do the same thing again and again. Because everyone saw that all the army is in Ukraine and no one protects their um, bank accounts, their properties and their security. And this is for the Putinism as a system, which is supposed to base on the fear, now is not present. So do you think that it could lead to the end of Putin's regime? Not for the short perspective, but the midterm perspective, yes. I think that uh, mm, the system has shown that is very fragile to that kind of situation. And, and the, the elite, which is split on those who are very supportive for the war and those who keep being silent, this group of being silent are trying to figure out how to replace Putin because they are not secured anymore and they are trying to figure out what to do in the midterm perspective, especially in the midterm perspective, it means in the 2024 next year elections. And if Putin would be smart enough, he would also join the camp how to replace himself. But we know <laughs> that Putin is not very smart enough because he attacked Ukraine. And uh, John Mansheimer once he said a few years ago that Putin would be smart enough and he would not attack Ukraine. But And we know that Putin is not smart enough and he attacked Ukraine because at, by attacking Ukraine, he exactly uh, weakened Russia as a state and weakened system as a as internal, not able, not capable to provide that war and strengthening uh, totalitarian elements of the system. Because repressions are one of the elements of this system. But what we see right now, that he is not capable 
Putin is not capable to make that repressions towards those who actually made that kind of event to Prigozhin himself. We see, I mean, elite see that he's not a Stalin himself because, I mean, Putin is trying to base, to build the system on the fear. Fear inside country, but also outside of country. But he's only a strongman to, strong towards weaker, but not towards stronger, such as Prigozhin or Siloviki. So Siloviki are feeling his fears, that he also afraid of one hand losing a power, but also giving orders. He's not strong enough. What, so what he's doing right now, he's buying his power, he's staying in office, buying not being repressive towards Prigozhin and other generals, other uh, policemen and other national guards. So he's giving privileges to those who did not stop Prigozhin in Rostov-on-Don. You see? So he's not capable to provide system on fear anymore. So he's not a Stalin himself. So it is not a totalitarian system. So this system will collapse sooner or later. Right now, reportedly, we are expecting to have about uh, up to 8,000 uh, Wagner soldiers on Belarus. Uh, what does it mean for Poland? Or what should Poland do in this situation? Yeah, actually, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what is happening with Wagnerowcy, with Prigozhin in Belarus. From my perspective, um, either Putin and Lukashenko will not trust Prigozhin himself uh, to do anything in Belarus in the sense to make, for example, another Wagner of, uh, group, Wagner group there. But at the same time, I think that they will use uh, Wagner Group as a tool of influence in hybrid warfare towards um, Poland or Lithuania. For example, in um, Belarus, there is also some kind of para paramilitary uh, units, so they can do some hybrid actions in uh, border part of Poland or Lithuania under false flag exactly to make to make a mess in the in these areas uh, exactly to make a crisis in the eastern flank of NATO we don't know how it will look like but we were witnessing some uh, crisis migration crisis and comparing that to the actions made by Prigozhin in, can influence to our security. So we, as NATO, we should be prepared for any kind of action combined with uh, Prigozhin actions within 
uh, disinformation and propaganda influence, and also connecting with uh, Belarusian um, paramilitary groups under false flag of Wagner Group. But I would also suggest that or think that Prigozhin will be under very suspicion protection of special forces under protection of Lukashenko because he's not um, someone to whom Lukashenko would trust at any moment. Eastern flank of NATO, speaking of NATO, we are expecting the NATO summit in Vilnius. What will it bring? I think that this is very important uh, summit because uh, this summit needs to give a strong signal that NATO will not um, be weakened and is not weakened by Russian and Belarusian actions when it comes to war in Ukraine. So may that ultimatum was made by Putin at the end of December 2021, which was said that Russia would like to have impact on Eastern flag, not only on Ukraine, because it was said that Putin would like to stop enlargement of uh, NATO to the east uh, neighborhood of Russia, including especially Ukraine, but also in that ultimatum, he said that he would like to have impact on the eastern flank, on the central uh, Europe, exactly to Poland and uh, Lithuania also. So from my perspective, this uh, Vilnius Salmon should implement those decisions made by Madrid summit. Exactly the regional plans from uh, Madrid into Vilnius that we are coming back to the uh, to the elements that NATO sees Russia as a long-term threat, not only through the conflict in Ukraine, but in the systematic threat on the elements of hybrid actions, but also military uh, a threat, China as a challenge, which cooperates with Russia, but also signal that we are not afraid of Russia and China connected with strong signal that Ukraine will become a NATO member state sooner or later, but in the sense that after the end of uh, war in Ukraine, Ukraine will join NATO. Last question. We are preparing for the elections in Poland. Do you think that Russia will try to affect them in any way? I think that Russia is already doing that uh, since the beginning of uh, war. And the most important influence in the social media especially because we know that RT and Sputnik has been blocked as the so-called media 
in the European Union, but uh, Russia decided and started to be working underground. And we are observing it uh, through the exactly social media that uh, they uh, switched from anti-COVID narrative to anti-refugees narratives and actions. So when it comes to Polish uh, elections, they are working on agenda, anti-Ukrainian agenda in Poland, and some parties will use that emotions towards anti-Ukrainian sentiments when it comes to history, but also ordinary life, right? That Ukrainians are stealing our jobs, Ukrainians are stealing our husbands, and so on and so forth. We are observing that kind of elements in the social media, but it uh, also influence our life and our um, also political life. And I think that at the end of the um, elections campaign, it will affect also our uh, elections choices. And some parties will definitely use that emotions. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This was The Political Periscope. The podcast is released every Thursday at 7 p.m. 